does a way better job at editing than I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Frivolous Gravitas. Uh, I believe this is episode 35, but we'll see. Uh, maybe 36. We'll see. So today we're going to be looking at uh, self-leadership, uh, conflict resolution, and essentially managing your own life. Uh, for this, instead of Chris, who is indisposed at the moment, on a secret special mission, uh, probably for the CIA or MI6 or something, but we'll see. Uh, we're here with uh, Jerry Fu, a certified conflict resolution coach uh, and um, former uh, pharmacist. So I um, almost wish my wife could be on here with us. So she well, could. Well, technically, I'm working that pharmacist job, but hey, you know, we can get oh, into that later. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, it's, 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 it's uh, your current um, job is a little more interesting for us right now because um, you've done episodes on pharmacy. You can go in there and uh, you know watch them and like be like, oh, this is completely incorrect. Blah blah blah. Anyway, so um, today we're going to look at uh, what you do for a living specifically, um, which is uh, presently you're a conflict resolution coach for the um, Asian Americans uh, population. Um, now, what is a conflict resolution coach for the viewers? Because it sounds like conflict could be anything. Um, this is a yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, if you're ready for me to answer, I will. I will go ahead and take the ball and start running with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, conflict resolution as a coach uh, is to help people navigate conflict more effectively. Um, part of it is first to help people identify, you know what is it about conflict that bothers them? Really, the first step is to define what is conflict. And the simple definition that I use uh, for a lot of people is basically mismatched expectations, right? At some point, there is a some kind of difference or discrepancy in what you think is meant to happen and what's actually happening. Um, typically, this is seen easiest in work settings, right? Uh, if you're a boss and you say, hey, I need this report by five o'clock, uh, Friday and they don't do it, now you have a conflict, right? It's just mm -hmm. that simple. Um, and so what I've seen in my own life and what I've seen in others' lives, especially ones who have backgrounds similar to my own, is that there seems to be a challenge with trying to engage in this conflict to resolve it in a way that doesn't result in finger pointing, antagonizing the other person, and just basically escalating the situation. And so, is this uh, does this kind of happen mostly internally for the individual who's finding themselves in a conflict? Because you know you have the expectation I want, and then you have the uh, reality, which is well, you can't have yet, or mm -hmm. um, or you have an expectation of the way reality is in itself. You know, I think this should be like this coming up against the reality of, well, no, you're not actually that good yet. So you have to, or you have to actually put the work in, um, which is, um, which causes a uh, kind of an internal conflict. You get that on, but it, it creates stress. You know, I, reality isn't what I want it to be. Um, mm -hmm. And this, I guess, can happen, like you said, in the workplace where, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't get the, I didn't get the, um, the promotion. Mm -hmm. Now, generally, if the conflict is, now, generally, if you didn't get it for a good reason, well, mm -hmm. the conflict is easily solved. Well, mm -hmm. work harder, suck it up and move yeah. forward. But yeah. then if it's not, then you have, you know, litigation and stuff like that. But then mm -hmm. the person I'm assuming would be left still in a state of um, that nagging disappointment. And some people take it better than others. Um, for me personally, I, uh, uh, I remember my car was a subject of arson and, oh, uh, wow. and I just kind of sat there going like, okay, this is my life now. And I didn't freak out and I was also yeah. two in the morning, but I didn't really f see the need to freak out. Maybe that's mm -hmm. just kind of the way I am. Maybe it's cause I had, well, my priorities have changed in this moment and now I have to deal with that. But I know a lot of people who have the expectations and it drives them internally to um, let these conflicts mount in some sort of like pile of uh, dissatisfaction. Hello there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
He's good. Um, yeah, no, what you said is very true. Uh, basically, what happens is, is that the conflict is usually internal first, right? Mm-hmm. It, I see this, this is my expectation, something is uh, meeting that expectation. And now, ultimately, I'm the one who's bothered by it, right? Because the other person may or may not even realize that they're intruding on your expectations, right? That's no. usually the worst kind. Or even worse, they are, to your point about the arson in the car, right? Um, they, they deliberately defy your expectations or even societal expectations, and then they make sure that you have no way of really engaging with them to actually try to resolve right. the situation. Right. So to them, it was probably just, to me, I think it was probably in that instance, it was a cigarette butt that someone just was like, they threw it in the garbage bin, which yeah. is right beside there, which mm-hmm. actually kind of makes sense rather than, you know, fling it on the floor. So I can't even claim malice. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> which, which, which is nice. But like, mm-hmm. if I'm in charge of people though, and I pick someone over another and someone says, well, you, you know, we have a conflict and I'm not in a position though, to, you know, say, well, that's tough. Like I'm doing my job. Uh, you still have your job to do. Like we both have our responsibilities, but then, you know, me being blithe about that because I'm, you know, not seeing this as a conflict creates more conflict and you have internal things. And then, you know, the individual or the opposite, why aren't my employees working as hard as they can? Well, maybe you're going too hard on them, or maybe you're doing this, or maybe you're doing that, or maybe you're not, or maybe you're wasting their time too much with meetings. (laughs) It could be emails. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, this, uh, this seems like a very, like we're, 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 we seem to be st- sticking to the professional now. Um, so this is the conflict and conflict arises, like you said, through mismatched expectations. That's, 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 that's really a good way of putting it because, um, we all expect something, but then, then reality, well, I'm a historian. So a lot of history is, you know, people being surprised by the thing that they could never have guessed happening mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so reality is always going to surprise you. Wait five years, you will not have guessed what happened. Um, mm-hmm. I guarantee you. And this goes yeah. for us in the real world. So um, that's the conflict. Now, how, do, how does one move from uh, a mismatch ep- expectation and bring peop- up an individual into line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. So sometimes, you know, so there's, there's kind of three, or at least three ways come to mind. And maybe I adjust this list as we talk through it, but there's a couple different ways to, to deal with conflict. Not all of them are effective, right? Um, the first is avoidance. Not effective. Not at effective all. at work. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> does not. Especially if you know that you're part of a conflict or if you don't know, or, you know, especially if you know you're part of it and you're just like, ah, whether you're the one who perpetrated the conflict and you're just trying to avoid whatever consequences may come of it, or if you're the one that needs to resolve it and you're just like, oh, maybe, maybe that fire will go out on its own. Yeah. Uh, doesn't work. Right. No. Just be, you know, stick your ostrich, stick your head in the sand. No, there's no problems. I don't see any, I don't hear anything. We're, no. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes you may just have to lower your expectations. And, you know, if it's not a fight that's worth having, especially if the relationship is not critical, you may just have to just get over yourself. I mean, that's the, that's the frank way of saying it, because I'll give an example. So uh, at my day job, at, you know, um, we work next to a CBD store that's also owned by the same people. CBD? cannabinoids. Uh, oh, okay. That's what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if you guys are allowed to have that in the States yet. In Alberta, we've had, uh, in Canada, we've had uh, access to cannabis since 2019 or 18. Nice. So, um, turns out it didn't change anything. Funny that. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're learning. It's just like, well, hey, it might be, it might work. And placebo is apparently is very expensive. So, you know, that's fine. If yeah, it's just now it. there's stores where yeah. there weren't before. It's like, oh no. Exactly. <laughs> so. yeah, pretty much. And anyway, all that to say is that, so the guy who works there, uh, for whatever reason, he goes through like a roll of toilet paper in like a week. And, you know, I'm the one buying this stuff. So I know exactly how much I need to spend the company money just because this guy uses like in a day's worth, the, the trash can will be filled with paper towels. I'll have to replace another roll of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, why is this guy using so much, right? So in my expectation, I think he's being wasteful. If he, in his eyes, right, he's not doing anything wrong. Right? Yeah, he's just, just like, I'm just being, I'm just me, you know, I, I need this much to, you know, keep myself clean, fine. And so, you know, and I've vented to several people about this, where it's mm. just kind of like, you know, he, 
he has no regard for the fact that someone else is taking care of this, right? And at the same time, right, I don't really have a working relationship with him, right? To say, hey, man, you know, could you maybe like dial down like the resources that you're wasting here? Because, you know, in my eyes, like you don't need 20 paper towels to dry your hands. Right? Buy him a handkerchief for his birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buy your own cloth or at least chip in, you know, for yeah. the cost that you're, that, you know, I'm single-handedly spending money on your, you know, bathroom habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this case, this is just something in this case, right? Like the fight is not big enough to really, this is not the hill I want to die on. Right? No. And so in this case, I just need to stop and just say, hey, well, you know, if it just costs the company a little extra money to, to keep this guy, you know, happy with paper towel, use fine. You know, I'll just, we'll just. Well, if you use that. this business, just be like, hey, could I get a 5% discount? <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been supplying TP forever, so. Exactly, right. <laughs> you owe me something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so the other really for a relationship that is meaningful is to really just find 10 seconds of courage and, you know, approach with open hands and curiosity and say, hey, um, can I ask you about this? Because here's what I'm seeing, right. right, for this situation. And I was wondering if you could help me figure out what I'm missing or to help me understand something that I'm not seeing here. Because right. as of right now, I'm, I'm a little confused. I feel fairly upset you know, because there are consequences for not having met these expectations. You know, my boss needs this report because this leads to other things. And, you know, now we're losing revenue because this report was not turned in right. on time. And so, yeah. Your business, not a charity. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, stuff needs to get done. Well, That's what we're paying you for. You yeah. use the word courage. And I think this is one of the very important um, aspects is because a lot of times, a lot of what you need to do well, you're in conflict. Conflict, the root is confrontation. And so you need to actually confront, stand up, go over there and confront because, well, it's not going to get resolved. Like avoidance is okay. If you, you know, I have problems with someone in Manitoba right now, but they're in Manitoba. So I'll deal with yeah. it when I'm in Manitoba. But, Absolutely. um, uh, I guess Manitoba's like the Oklahoma of Canada, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Don't quote me. Uh, but that it's courage. It's recorded. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> everything's up. Um, the, that courage that someone needs to actually stand up, and it does take courage, that, that first step. But one thing I noticed when I was younger, I, I was a bit of a, well, I'm young. I don't know how to resolve conflict. But I found that if I could just take that first step and be a bit, you know, puff my chest out for half a second, and it just got easier every single time. Yeah. Because the alternative was the conflict mounts stress upon you conflict Mm -hmm. does actually take you know a toll upon you Mm -hmm. and confronting it wastes it seems like it takes a lot of energy and it does but it wastes a lot lot less energy long term with better results you might accidentally build a bridge with somebody who knows Mm -hmm. or you could just have them out of your mind like Mm -hmm. so i got in the habit of just like this is a problem. I'm going to deal with it now. Um, I needed x-rays and stuff. And they're like, oh, we can get you in on July 28th. And I was just, mm-hmm. I just went into the x-ray place. It's like, you're going to do this now. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> nice. I got it done that day and I got all my stuff done that day because I was just showed up and they didn't want the conflict. And I was yeah. re- almost relying on the fact that these people didn't want conflict. I wasn't like, I was just being like, I need this done. You know, my heart. It's finesse. Yeah, it's you're but just like, like, hey, man, I'm here. Like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want this hanging over my head for a month while I'm sitting there being like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I just went and did it. And yeah, good. a lot of people, but that's the thing. That's not easy. I, I, oh. like, I, like I'm 36 now and I mm-hmm. practice that a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's even good, but that is not an easy thing. Even now, sometimes it's just like you're sitting there no one's watching. You're just like... Okay. 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 I can. Yeah. Be, I can be a bit of an ass. I can do this. But too much of an ass, but a bit. <laughs> yeah. And you walk in and be like, "This is what I want." And they're like, "Okay." And you're just like, "Oh, that was way too easy." <laughs> <laughs> and oftentimes yeah, you're it is. Yeah, a thousand deaths before you even try it. Like, yeah. Even, you're already rejecting yourself even before you even ask the girl out, right? Like, yeah. And well, that's the thing. It's. But the thing is, is that I have the courage, but I know the battlefield. I know what I want. And if your boss is bugging you and you have a bad expectation, like generally, do you see people that have an expectation that's just like, I want things to be better or I want things to, I want what I'm owed or I want more money. Are these vague things that don't actually mean anything? Does that come up a lot? 
Yeah, I mean, it's the, this is the world as I think it should be. And for whatever reason, the world is not handing it to me on a silver platter, mm-hmm. right? And then there's, there's a sense of entitlement that is entirely helpless and useless, right? People think, well, it should be this way. It's like, well, you might be right, but they have the, they have the opportunity to disagree with you, <laughs> you know? And it doesn't mean that they're right, but what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to say humph and stomp your foot and say, well, I I shouldn't have to change. I shouldn't have to take the initiative. Or are you actually going to do something about it? But in a way uh, that does not enable the other person, right? And Mm. to to keep their bad habits. Because, you know, I went through a a hero phase for a while where I was like, I am capable. I'm going to solve problems as I see them. And I'm picking up all this trash, right? That's like, well, you know, I hate litter. Well, yeah, I'm not helpless. Let me go throw it away. Guess what? The person who threw it there doesn't care, right? No. You're just like, oh, right now, someone else is picking up my trash for me. Great. I don't have to change. I don't have to worry about that. And that was really one of the turning points in my development as a leader when recognizing, hey, if I'm compensating for this person, now I'm working two jobs and they're just doing nothing. Right. Right. Well, Well, I do the same thing around my neighborhood but I do it for me. I'm paying yeah. myself because I want a beautiful neighborhood. That's so fair. I'm, and it's like, well, I'm not going to beautify your house, but it, <laughs> but it makes my house look good. So that's, that's why I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, um, uh, plus it just bugs me. It just, yeah, yeah. it's like, well, I don't you know. You have standards. Celebrate yeah. that. <laughs> but, um, sorry, I lost what I was going to say, but the, the, like, Sorry, I had a, I took a poor note here. So this, a lot of what we're talking about conflict wise Mm -hmm. is, um, is professional, you know, getting what you want and stuff like that. And and you have to, well, first of all, okay, that was it. Sorry, Chris, edit that stumbling out or don't call it a gag, put some like stuff around it. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) people see their life as a lot of times what you described seem like a kind of a fight between um, realizing that you don't have to end up in a zero sum game, mm-hmm. that you don't have to be playing something where you're the victim, mm-hmm. where you can go in and say, okay, I'm not, I don't think I'm getting what I'm owed, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's because, you know, what can I do to make it give me more? Because what you can do, like if you're, in, if you're, if you're at work, you don't think you're being utilized enough ask them how I want to be paid more. And they're like, okay, then do more. And it's like, okay, but what? (laughs) So like you, if it's not zero sum, everyone benefits from you solving this conflict that you think and you end up better. But when you think in a zero sum and I've met as a few people like this in my family, where it's like, it's, it's either me or you or nothing else. It's just like, we're a family. Like, like that's not a thing. Like, so what you end up doing is you have to end up negotiating and that again takes courage but mm-hmm. it also takes the necessary step of needing to know what you want mm-hmm. and yeah. i feel like well i ask all my students this right at the beginning like mm-hmm. what do you want why are you here yeah. like well, yeah. my parents told me to be here it's like so <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank them for paying me you know yeah, yeah. i'm gonna do my job but yeah. One of the things you need is all action has to come with direction or it's mm-hmm. pretty much wasted action. You get that. True. Um, Aurelius talks about this a lot. Um, the great stoic emperor. Um, you get people, uh, you know, a lot of modern people are talking about this now too. Mm-hmm. But resolving this conflict is never going to not take energy. So I'm kind of, uh, rambling here. So one thing I want to do is get on to, so you, you mentioned we were talking before that and we're talking a lot about professional, um, uh, coaching or professional conflict resolution. You were having a conflict in the work and you know, whatever you think your mismatched expectations make you, um, are making you dissatisfied with your professional life in one way or another. But you also mentioned cultural, um, uh, conflict resolution and uh, how, and this seems like a bit of a different uh, ball game. Um, what did you, how, how does, what kind of cultural uh, conflicts come up in your work? Yeah, no, great question. I mean, part of it is simply 
Uh, there's a quote from an Eric Barker book called Barking Up the Wrong Tree, where he reevaluates the idea of what success is. And uh, one of the regrets of the dying that he mentions is, I wish I lived a life true to myself instead of what others expected of me. And, you know, I can only speak for Asians, but that's exactly what we find, right? Um, I can appreciate my parents' perspective when they came over here from Taiwan, where they said, hey, you know, we need money and credibility. And the quickest way to do that is to become a doctor or engineer or accountant, right? Some of these high median income jobs with a degree where people have to address you, you know, as doctor or mm -hmm. some kind of specialist, right? And so they have, that's their definition of the good life, right? You, um, you get, you get good grades in school, you get the, get the high paying job, you bank away money aggressively for 20 years. And maybe if you're lucky, as long as you don't have too many life interruptions, uh, you can retire at a fairly young age and finally get to do what you want because you finally have all that money. Oh, and by the way, get married and have kids and pass along the family name. Um, <laughs> so I build a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You're just like, check, 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 check. All right. Now what? Um, and so, yeah, kind of to uh, something we referenced earlier, right? I remember one of my one of my other Taiwanese friends that I went to school with, right? Um, he went the biology or bioengineering route because he really wasn't that sure what he wanted to do. And even as he's pursuing this PhD, he has aunts and uncles asking him, well, you know, you're smart enough. Why, when are you going to take your MCAT? Um, <laughs> Like you need to do this. I don't understand why you don't see this as the right path for yourself, right? And so you have this cultural expectation, hey, bring you know honor to the family name, take away the shame, even as we use that shame to push you into the honor side of things. And all of a sudden, you know, same thing on the personal level. When are you gonna get married? Okay, you got married. When do you have a kid? All right, finally. When do you have another one? It's like, why do you need me to have kids? Is it yeah. just, you know, what, See, what, like what benefit do you get from that? In, um, in, I guess, white Canadian culture, it's mm -hmm. not too different. Yeah. Um, and I, I do get from my, uh, my parents and grandparents, like kids, 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 kids. But like, the thing is, is that I don't see it as kind of like, I want kids. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways, um, the problem there seems to be, uh, the, the, that's that's the key thing i want children and in, i want children because not because you know to uphold the the family honor which i actually do care about you know everyone thinks that white people are like oh we're we're so cynical about everything no 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 no. honor gets a lot of short shrift nowadays um uh and uh okay i can't make that example on uh in public but um it's just um there's Tell you after, but uh, <laughs> the uh, it, it's not dirty or anything. It's just it's okay. It's a little well, weird. We, we have a term, quick tangent. We have a me and some friends have a term called battleship, where we're just like, oh, got to contain that battleship, and so we yeah. just kind of keep that. We're just like, no, nope, we're gonna keep that in here. It doesn't matter what it is. We're just gonna keep that in here. Yeah. Leave it up to your imagination, but we're gonna keep it here. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, but I do it, and I earn honor through my self interest. Okay, that sounds yeah. very evil, but like I'm doing it. But I'm not. I'm a self. I'm myself as an individual, but I'm also myself in my family. I'm also myself sure. in my culture. I'm also myself in my city, in my province, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And how I earn that honor. Well, you know what? A lot of Asian families, I've seen this with a lot of Asian families and they, the, the, the work ethic is extremely commendable. I like definitely salute, but it's not, there's no time where they're saying this is for me. So I can use that. And the other thing is that, yes, it is a quick way and an easy way. It's a nice, simple path and it is a good path, mm -hmm. but it's not the only one. I decided when I went back to university, uh -huh. I need to find something. Yeah, I need to get something where I'm employable and where I'm this and that. Took psychology degree. Okay, this is neat. I could be a psychologist. I, I, I got the chops for this. Took a history class and I was like, oh no, this is what I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not, we, we can't usually, it's not the best idea also to follow that. But I thought I had to think, well, I'm taking this and I was, I was glowing the entire time. I'm doing a lot of work. I'm, uh, I'm finding a lot of motivation just in the mirror of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. 
And this brought myself a sense of self-respect. So I felt that this gave me honor in a, in a way. And we yeah. don't like, oh, well, what is honor? It's like honor is the self-respect. It's the social capital that people say. So you see a soldier and they have honor in society. Why? Because they're willing to sacrifice because they're putting themselves in a position of sacrificial responsibility. And that's honorable. A doctor is honorable because, well, it's an honorable profession. You're not stealing from people. You're, you know, helping firemen. There is, you're taking on responsibility in order to uh, provide okay. honor. And well, it's, you can earn honor on, like, there's no point anymore to earn honor on the battlefield. That's, that was a lie of 200 years ago. Like, no one, yeah. if you believe that now, um, well, read a bit more. So, we have drones now where we can outsource to machines to fight for us. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 How many machines? Well, there's a Star Trek episode that kind of said, no, no. Uh, that's another episode, though. Really? <laughs> if we get the machines to fight for us, then we won't. And it might be too easy to start these wars again. Just rock them, sock them, man. Just battle bots over and over again. Just yeah. do that. Yeah. So, it's easy. but for me personally, I found lately that like I've been doing LSAT questions and I thought, oh, I could become a lawyer. I'm like 36. Mm -hmm. It'd be 10 years before I made any money and I wouldn't enjoy any of it. Fair and enough. I'm making actually half decent money now being mm -hmm. self-employed. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, um, I can create honor in my own way but mm -hmm. it takes effort. It takes mm -hmm. that courage and okay, I'm hyping myself up here. Yeah. You know, I'm awesome. No, it's, you have your weak moments though. And you're sitting there going, I don't know how to do this. You're bashing your head on the thing yeah. you get through it. And yep. it's that, that brings honor to yourself, mm -hmm. that expenditure for a goal. Mm -hmm. And, but if you do it for your own self, um, if you're not doing it for yourself, so that you can be better able to help those around you, then mm -hmm. it does seem hollow. And mm -hmm. everyone does make fun of the Asian population for it. And it's all tongue in cheek. And it's, it's yeah. not racist because we know they're working hard. Stereotypes are there for a reason. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's, for it's a respectful thing. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's jokes about white people and they are probably hilarious. Um, <laughs> but the, the self, um, the self-honesty about it is definitely good, but it is still a good path. It's not like, all right, step one, take drugs. Step two, form a gang. No, okay. <laughs> this isn't what's happening. So it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, but when you have to deal with that cultural thing, say, I guess where the conflict comes up, whereas all of a sudden you have one expectation of others mm -hmm. and the expectation of yourself changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely had to explain why a history degree actually gave me, you know, earning potential to my <laughs> future in-laws. That was, yeah. that was yeah. a conversation I did have and, uh, it was a good conversation to have. And I was just like, don't worry, I'm going to work hard. And, yeah. um, and, uh, but it might've been harder conversation to have if my wife was of a different, uh, culture. Well, then mm -hmm. it's like, well, that's not good enough. I need mm -hmm. concrete proof or I need this or that. Yeah. And uh, well, I chose the show through action instead of, you know, well, maybe I'll make money. And, you know, <laughs> step two, step three will be profit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, yeah. but, and then does, so I guess what I'm building to is mm -hmm. that's one form of cultural conflict that you can have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I can see um i do want to touch into this a bit more but is there intercultural conflict that individuals face as well i'm like everyone's talking about you know, racial tension and everything but does this happen uh like no you know not getting hired for being one color or another but mm -hmm. are there more like yeah so not asking i feel like that was a leading question but i don't want it to be a leading question because okay uh, um is there intercultural conflict that people that you have coached people with and that, what's the nature of that generally by default it is a conflict <laughs> you know because one culture has this set of expectations the other culture mm. has this set of expectations and then you have all sorts of prejudices and implicit bias and yeah. all sorts of other stuff and just throw that all in the mix and just pray it doesn't blow up on you you know in the first 30 seconds right yeah yeah um, so yeah, to give a quick illustration, right? Um, while I've not directly uh, coached people through, like you know, 
uh, intercultural conflict, um, it's not hard to see, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for instance, one of my one of my friends I know through church is black, and his his wife is white, and by default, boom, conflict, right? And he tells me these things about how, you know, he has to deal with the fact number one, not only do his does his personality and interests not line up with her in with her side of the family, right? He knows what kind of prejudices that they probably have hiding underneath the surface because he is a black male, even though he is soft-spoken and mild-mannered, right? Everyone, I'm sure there's people who think he's dangerous. And I mean, mm. it's, and it's, and it's, I, you know, Asians are guilty of it as well, right? Uh, growing up, my mom told me, don't, don't date a black woman, just straight up, just don't do this. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then it's, and the only reason people haven't mentioned it more is that we're not the ones killing them. You know, we're not, you know, we're not the ones killing them through well, the justice we have system a, whatever else. We like don't, that. in Canada, we have a similar problem where uh, it's not really, like with the um, indigenous population, which is a bit more substantial up here. Mm, um, yeah. Most of the, a lot of the black people in Canada were um, either empire loyalists mm. uh, who were like, uh, well, America's doing this, I'm out. Um, <laughs> or uh, or, uh, re- or uh, escaped slaves. So they've, mm. a lot of them have been here long enough that they wear nicer suits than me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh, so like we, but we do get a lot of bleeding from uh, that, and I feel like I, I personally like it might have been harder, and I would have had to deal with a lot of stuff. Like I was um, very poverty stricken when I met my wife, yeah. and so I had to say like, "Don't worry, I will have money later. I'm actually in school." Um, I uh, my ex was um, Latin American and. I had to definitely show that, you know, I'm not a lazy white guy. <laughs> so, or I'm not just a, you know, Canadian yuppie. And I was just like, no, 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 I have plans. I have plans, plans. Don't worry, I've got plans. Um, though a lot of that was religious tension because I wasn't Catholic. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would have been able to get over that one. Ooh, uh, I don't yeah. think I could have beaten that one, but you don't win every battle. Nope, you don't. So, um, now racial tension is to me it seems like it's a lot of um like you said implicit bias um which is kind of a heated word and uh it assumes more than it actually means because Mm -hmm. of that test that they made that doesn't work but we (laughs) a lot of people do have assumptions about other people that seem to be coming from a place of um i'll use the diplomatic term ignorance Mm -hmm. um which is a nice term for stupid. Uh, they don't know and yeah. they don't know. And so they, they make an assumption and it's mm-hmm. easy to classify something you don't know. Like yeah. if someone said, oh, you know, people from Uzbekistan are like this. I'm like, I don't know anyone from Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? So if I wasn't as critical as I am of everything, then I might just accept that and go with mm-hmm. it. And I'd tell my friends, be like, oh man, I met this guy he's from Uzbekistan and you know, the, this and that and it's just like so you know that spreads and then someone from uzbekistan comes in and is like hey you guys have a sushi joint around here i'm like oh this guy's normal <laughs> yeah. more canadian than me but mm-hmm. and so you do have to get through that but mm-hmm. a lot of it seems to me that it's not insurmountable now mm-hmm. your friend uh in an interracial relationship he's got to deal with these hurdles but yeah. the hurdles aren't insurmountable now they aren't is avoidance a good path here you know you you find somebody who's just you know irreconcilably on this camp and mm-hmm. you can just be like well i'm just never going to talk to that guy <laughs> yes yeah. his internal conflict is too black and white mm. um no pun <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that was too perfect um no i mean in this case right yeah i mean it's part of it is just wisdom and saying okay do mm. i have the energy like, is this an important enough relationship where I actually have to engage in something? Because it's one thing if it's just like the crazy uncle that you meet at a barbecue and you only see him once a year, you know, not worth your time. My wife's right? grandma talking about um, certain Middle Eastern um, oh boy. populations. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. well, she's like 84 and yeah. not really, uh, you know, she's, but it's like, okay, like, we'll just. We'll just, just disagree. Like grandma be grandma. Yeah. 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 And grandma, so, grandma's filters off. We're just going to have to let her do it. Absolutely. So is this why you mainly focus on uh, Asian American um, 
sounds weird to say Asian American because <laughs> okay. I'm Canadian. Um, yeah. Asian American population uh, as your um, as your uh, clientele. Yeah. So basically, right uh, in coaching, what when they ask us, "Hey, what is your ideal client?" Usually, the ideal client is just whoever you were ten years ago, right, and needing the same kind of guidance that you needed, and so. Um, a big mistake a lot of new coaches make is, you know, they ask you, well, who do you help? And you say, oh, everybody. Yeah. And it's like boring, you know, <laughs> like who do you really have a heart for? And well, you it's know, like it's the not, old yeah. Kurt Vonnegut quote where he's like, well, don't write for everybody. If you leave the window wide, too wide open, then uh, you're going to get pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> so you got- he had some truth. Yeah. Slaughterhouse-Five was a, a mandatory reading book through high yes. school. And uh, do I appreciate it though. Um but yeah, basically, right. Uh, I know what kind of bad or mi- well-meaning, but ultimately misguided approaches to conflict uh, I picked up on from my parents and then just from my own fear of failure. And at some point to, to what we said earlier, right. At some point you can't afford to tolerate that anymore mm-hmm. because now you just now you just hate yourself and you're just frustrated that why didn't I at least speak my mind? Even if this friendship goes to crap, at least they know where I stand. On mm-hmm. At least I went down swinging somewhat. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, when when I I remember here's this here's a specific situation where I got bad advice from my mom that I ultimately took. You know, at one point, a Pakistani Muslim friend of mine was dating a Christian Asian woman, which you know is uh, already a recipe for for complicated situations, and. Um, he came to me for advice on what scripture to cite in trying to get her back. Which and means that he's going to go and lie. <laughs> pretty much. It's just any, anytime you just, you know, cut out things for your own context, I mean, you're lying, right? Mm-hmm. And so he copied me in on the email he sent her uh, to, you know, and cited all the scripture and I lost it. Like I... You know, my mom was reading with me at the time because this was in college, right? And uh, I remember my mom was reading with me and I was just like, I can't believe he like sliced all this up just to like build this missile that I did not want to actually help him build. It's like, I don't want to help you build an atom bomb, but that's exactly what you did with the resources I gave you. And my mom's just like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, he's your friend. Don't, don't, don't say anything. Please just don't say anything. Like, it's, it's just not worth it. And um, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's a friend isn't there to, uh, you know, just tell you everything is right that's a it's essentially an employee uh, yeah. and a friend yes, is there to yeah. be like dude stop mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like so we can like because friends are there to like well, we need to keep going together on this thing like yeah, yeah. it's a stop gap or something and mm-hmm. there yeah. to you know help someone get to the airport in the middle of the night but like always handy <laughs> always handy but uh yeah you 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 can't well, that's kind of part of it is listening to your your gut there a bit, mm-hmm. which a lot of people think is some metaphysical like, oh, it's this intuition that we innately have or the sixth sense. No, no, no. We, we take in a lot of information from our surroundings and we can't process it all, obviously. So sometimes your brain's like, oh, this isn't quite right. Something's wrong here. And that's a good thing of telling you like, why? And then you examine the data that you're not looking at and be like, Oh, <laughs> so, like <laughs> that's you what your gut is. You know, mm-hmm. it's your body having a response to mm-hmm. something that is not in line with reality. Good. Um, kind of a, in the stoic sense again. <laughs> so, yeah. um, the, I guess, um, it's not jiving with the logos. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> um, one way to put it. Uh, so does this come from, you so you have uh, intimate knowledge with the uh, Asian American population. Is that something you use uh, as because you know a lot better what their problems might be than I would? I can just go in there and be like, "Well, you should do this," and they're like, "That doesn't make any sense." And I'm like, "Okay, I don't know how to say yeah. it." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, in coaching. What's funny is either you want someone who is entirely familiar with situ- with your situation. That's like been down this road mm-hmm. and has skinned their knee and their knees on the same thing and knows exactly what to point out or what to shine a flashlight on things like that. Or you want someone who has no frame of reference right, yeah. as to what you're dealing with, because now that can come, someone can come with, with fresh eyes and isn't like already kind of biased towards your cultural lens or anything like that. Um, 
And so it's just kind of funny how you just want one or two of the extremes. Either you get someone like me and says, oh, hey, you know, another Asian says, oh, he's Asian. He's, he knows what it's like to have my color skin mm-hmm. and knows what kind of, um, you know, the, the challenges that come when people see and how I present myself, right? Like one of the questions that I got first off when someone met me was, what kind of engineer are you? Right. Like people already have assumptions just from the from right off the bat. Right? Behavioral or, engineer. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Perfect answer. Uh, or that, or you just have someone who's just like, yeah, you want someone who has no idea and just is able to be curious from the start and recognizes that that humility is actually a good thing. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you need like the ignorance, like the lack of knowledge is not so much the bad thing. It's just the lack of awareness, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing for someone to say, I don't know anything about your situation, but let me learn and let tell me about it so I can explore it with a, a right. higher sense of humility and curiosity that might actually uncover some useful things because they're not handicapped to, or not, they're not strapped to your cultural lens. Right. Yeah. So it's having, it's going in with, uh, okay, here's the, there's, I guess there's two forms of uh, approach there is the, I'm going to, here's what I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, with this context and with this thing and, uh, okay, we need to, and the other one would be like, okay, we need to build you a schema to deal with reality because you obviously don't have one. Um, and that, okay. That makes that, that, that seems to make a lot of sense. I remember being like, I think about myself 10 years ago and I'm just like, what an idiot. And I think about myself (laughs) even 10 years before that. And it's, um, the word is cringe. So, um, and I have this innate, um, almost, I guess, disgust with what I used to be, you know, this ignorant, time-wasting fool. And I would probably, you know, if I was in your position, I'd probably need to get over that a bit. But, like, I'm aware of it at least. Yeah. And so, but does this come from a place of, um, I don't know, compassion? Or uh, is it a, uh, you don't want to see people making the same mistakes sort of thing. Uh, technically it's both. The two aren't mutually exclusive, um, right. you know, cause part of it is, yeah, like I know, you know, I wish that there were, there's literature I wish I'd read, you know, that yeah. I just read now that I wish I'd read 20 years ago. You know, my mom got most of it right. She had me read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is, you know, oh, a yeah. classic self-development book. Uh, but the one that I also wish I'd read was Stephen Covey's Seven Highly, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People because mm-hmm. like if I had read that, like when I was coming out of high school, I probably could have saved myself a lot of headache in college about like learning to be more effective and using my time well and, you know, cutting out Mm -hmm. distractions, things like that. Um, But uh, yeah, it is very much for compassion just to say, Hey, look, you know, uh, there is, uh, there are a lot of good intentions when it comes to, um, you know, bringing up your kids and raising them in a way where they're responsible and, Mm -hmm. and proactive but there's a lot of tactics they use to get kids to that point that leave them with a lot of emotional scars that probably aren't healthy. And so, yeah, on one hand, yeah, I want people to spare, I want to spare people some of the things that I had to deal with to get to this point. And it is not from a sense of, well, I'm bitter and you know, yeah, don't, don't go here. It's like, no, let me, let me come alongside you and say, Hey, there's a better way. And yeah. uh, let's explore that together. Absolutely. So, Simple question, but uh, probably needs a long answer, though. Can you help somebody who doesn't, who's resisting being helped? That's a great question. Um, Because I can't teach someone who, if someone doesn't want to listen, they turn off their mic, they turn off their thing. I can't, like, I I, I could, okay, so this book is about this. What did you think of it? I don't know. It was interesting. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, okay, there's nothing I can do here. And, like, I try to get it in and I'll... I don't know. I feel bad about collecting the paycheck almost, but it's, I mean, you have someone, (laughs) but if you get someone who say comes to you because their family sent them to you, Mm -hmm. uh, and like a psychologist have this happen, I'm assuming they have this, you know, or someone comes (laughs) to the system. That's not that great. (laughs) Or the government sends them to the psychologist. yeah. Um, Yeah. Remediation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but you are a little more specialized in that matter. So if someone comes and they just, don't want to be helped. How, what do you do? Yeah. Great question. Um, yeah. Cause if it is, 
like it depends like if it's someone like on the clock right where it's like hey you know i'm here because hr sent me and we just have to deal with that uh you know basically i would at the very least give them a chance right because you don't want to assume from the start that oh no lost cause like to just write them off from the beginning mm -hmm. it involves a sense of judgment that is contrary to what coaching is right um and at the same time right uh know your limits uh part of it is okay hey you know what why don't we try us out for like three sessions or one to three sessions and i'll and then you put the ball in their court is i guess my initial response to your question mm -hmm. What I mean by that is that basically you want to trust the idea that the client is the expert on his or her own life. The clients know their lives better than you know them. Mm. And you give them the decision uh, whether or not they want to continue, right? Because now it's not about whether or not I cut them off prematurely or I let them linger too long. It is entirely in their wheelhouse to decide, do I like this? Is this beneficial? Yes. Okay. Let's, do you want to do another session? Yes. Okay. How do we schedule that? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and there are times where you may have to override things to just say, Hey, look, there's some things that have come up. Either I'm no longer qualified to help you, or I feel like you're not being receptive to my voice. So I'm at least going to refer you to somebody else, even if, and I think that's really the, the truest test. Like, do you just cut them off and let them kind of float into space? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to say, Hey, here's someone I can refer that might be better suited to help mm -hmm. you. Yeah. You give them a, uh, you give them an outlet. You give them a different mm -hmm. path and let yeah. them take it, whether or not well, it's not your responsibility to run their life. Exactly. The coach doesn't play the, the coach doesn't play hockey. He's sitting yeah, on the right? bench. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, I got a couple questions, but a lot of it seems to be, and to me, a lot of this is, um. I guess, what do a lot of your clients seem? Cause to me, a lot of it, and the thing that drives me now after I've mm -hmm. you know gotten competent, uh, yeah. um, I was definitely, um, potential, but incompetent before. And I mm -hmm. just, at one point I was just like, you know, I was doing menial labor, which, you know, I can't discount, but, mm -hmm. um, I was mixing paint and I just said, I need to go back to school. This is not, <laughs> yeah. there's, this is not sustainable for my mm -hmm. life. Good. And so, I learned that one thing I was doing was I was just wasting time. Mm. And most of everything that I was doing wrong came down to me wasting time in the end. Mm. So like um, not reading. Well, yeah. I'm not using my time properly. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stuck in a job that's not teaching me anything. That's wasting time. Mm. Well, you're making money. It's yes, but I'm still wasting my time. That's true. Um, wow. And so everything came down to that. Mm -hmm. And to me, being stuck in a conflict Mm -hmm. is essentially wasting your time. Mm -hmm. um, well, I don't like this. So you're going to brood mm -hmm. over it, and that's an hour you don't have anymore. Yeah. So, oh, I hate this. I can't believe my wife did this yeah. or this did that. It's yeah. just like, I don't know. You're wasting your time where you could be doing something else. Mm -hmm. So I came up, like I came up with some ways of dealing with stuff and it was just okay. like, pretty much just like, this isn't a problem was a big one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, ah, I just need to tell myself this over and over again. And yeah. So which is, I guess that's yeah. just a form of cognitive behavioral therapy where it's just like, Oh, I hate this. Wait, this isn't actually a problem, but people do actually have legitimate problems. And mm -hmm. that's, and I did. <laughs> yeah. um, but what do you, most of your, um clients what it like what do you see most of their uh things that are causing their conflict being because for me it was just i was making decisions based on bad advice and i was just staying bitter about stuff mm -hmm. and uh i ended up being a bit of a fire breathing soapbox uh um socialist for a bit <laughs> but uh there's like detailed that in a different one why I left, but, uh, and, uh, it's, but I, that was me. And that's mm -hmm. one thing that I've noticed is that mm -hmm. I, what I did works for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering is that there are universals, but mm -hmm. does it, do you see that there's a kind of a, are there any themes to your, uh, profession that you seem to be seeing across like all of your patients. Mm. This is what yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, no, great question. I mean, because if I think about the topics that uh, my clients have come to me with, it's um, I think 
the irony is that I think we do all want some idea of the good life, right? Mm -hmm. We want to feel like we know the best foods to eat, the best countries to travel to, Mm -hmm. you know, the best products to buy, the best way to really enjoy ourselves. Um, But not in a hedonistic way, but just in a way that really, as you said, right, I am not simply working on myself just to feel good about myself. I really want to be present uh, and spend time on activities and people that are meaningful to me. Yeah, there's a difference between hedonism and Epicureanism. One is just being like pleasure. The other one is enjoying your life. And that means maintaining relationships and Mm -hmm. working a good job. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so because I think about why, yeah, why did my first client ask me about how to have a conversation with his boss to protect his career path? Because, Mm -hmm. right, it's the benefits that come from being employed that allow him to, you know, work on, you know, in his free time trying to figure out, hey, I want to, I want to work on an investment portfolio so that I can free up time so that I can spend more time on, I'm not in this nine to five grind, right? Tim mm-hmm. Ferriss is a great example of, you know, trying to get people to realize, hey, what is the new rich? The new rich is not a lot of money in the bank and you're like killing yourself to get it. The new rich like have flexibility and autonomy in their lives and they can travel when they want. That's and, you know, they can, they can, something you know, I discovered when I was poor stress. Yeah. When I, yeah. when I got money, I realized it's like, well, how much money do you have? It's like right now I have enough. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you know, you stopped getting the, the money stops mm-hmm. being uh, useful after mm-hmm. a certain amount. So I stopped caring about that. It's like, well, okay, what's going to make me rich next? And now I'm mm-hmm. thinking children, children will make me rich. Not like <laughs> money wise, but they'll enrich my life. Fair yeah. And that's true. well, it's like, and then, you know, we'll raise them properly and then I'll have all this meaning and I'll have a reason to do that. And right. then, you know, they can start, you know, paying for my stuff. No, <laughs> no, there is a long game involved. And a lot yeah. of Asian Americans are dealing with this right now. Don't put me in a they, home. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. Well, it's like, yeah, like these parents that, why do you think they're getting this? Why do you think they're making these kids go to, you know, profitable professions? Because at some point they're expecting that money to pay for, take care of them once they mm-hmm. retire, because they may or may not be actually, um, you know, saving up for retirement. They're just like, no, I'm counting my kids to take care of me. Like, because, and that's why my mom pushed me to get married and have kids as well, which uh, right now I have neither and neither marriage nor kids, but it's, but the point being, right. She's like, who's going to take care of Jerry when he gets old? Like, you have to have kids because they're the only ones you can count on because that's family blood is thicker than water. And yeah. that's why she, and she, and she hangs on to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, t- I got married in spite of uh, family well, in spite yeah. of one third of my family. Uh, nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, yeah, I, I did that because it was right. And I feel like one thing is like, well, I got married. Why can't anyone else do this? And one mm-hmm. thing I think uh, is good to know is that I got lucky. I got really lucky, but I got lucky because I put the work in. I I said, okay, this is a, this is a good, this is a good woman. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I have a, I have a conflict. (laughs) I'm single. (laughs) And so I put and went and out and did the, uh, the awkward, you know, dance that we all do, but it's, um, now I think this gets to one of the other themes and really awkward segue is that um, I feel like a lot of people have a feel of leave that in Chris, just, I need to work on my speaking. (laughs) A lot of people have a fear of failure and um, does this hold people back? Just like, Oh, I can't try because I remember it not taking a test once in high school because I was just like, I can't go. People will see me taking a test. What the stupid stuff was that? And, but I think failure isn't what it's cracked up to be. (laughs) And I think failure has taught me more than anything else. And that's great teacher. Yeah. And um, does do you find that failure or this fear of failure holds back, holds people back um, oh, yeah. a lot? Cause oh, yeah. you think about, you know, you're playing a, like a video game or something mm-hmm. and you don't want to get hit once and you yeah. want to every, you want a perfect playthrough. You don't want to take one loss. You don't want to lose one point or something or something like that. Mm-hmm. And cause you don't want to feel that bad, but mm-hmm. you in life, you kind of have to, you, <laughs> um, so, I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking here. Sorry. It's okay. That's fine. Trying to get to it. But 
for me, a lot of it seemed like a, what I was afraid of was success because I knew I wasn't good enough at the time. Fair enough. But do you find that a lot of people hold themselves back in your profession? Yeah. I mean, I was guilty of it for, you know, 34, 35 years of my own life. Um, and so I say, you know, what I tell people, I was like, look, this is just one beggar telling other beggars where to find good bread, because mm-hmm. I'll be the first to admit my own self-imposed beliefs uh, that kept me from really experiencing growth and enjoyment, you know, that comes with long-term success. And so the examples, you know, they're all over the place. Um, cooking. Uh, is something I didn't learn until I can really how to really cook and things I looked forward to eating until like I was in my mid thirties after I moved out of the house. Um, and you just have this idea of, I don't want to embarrass myself and I don't want to eat crappy food that I cooked and I can't believe this. And, but with cooking, what's funny is that if you mess up at home, no one's making fun of you Mm. unless you just want to beat yourself up needlessly. Right. So it's not the failure. That's the problem. It's what people think of you when you fail. And if you have learned to block out people's opinions who do have no, have, do not have your best interest in mind, right? Once you get past that point and say, Hey, I'm not here to impress anybody. I just, I'm just here to get better at it. It's a lot better. But I mean, for me, you know, dating was a terrible thing to navigate because I, part of it was just, you know, lack of self-esteem and my own insecurities because Mm. it's like, and you felt like, Oh, if a girl said yes to me, Oh crap. What if she finds out that I think I'm unattractive? What if I don't have anything to say? What if I have to actually be interesting? Yeah. Yeah, Right. (laughs) And you're like, you just have this imposter syndrome. You're just like, Oh no, this success, I don't deserve it. I just, I'm just going to flush it or, you know, just not return a call and just like cancel the date. So I don't have a chance of embarrassing Mm -hmm. myself. And yeah, I mean, you know, an extreme example is their guy I used to go to church with and he would complain about not being married. And then well, we'd ask him, well, when are you going to ask out a girl? Well, you know, I'm not supposed to, you know, you don't want to like mess up your social circles by asking a girl out in those circles. And, you know, and it's like, that's a good excuse. Yeah, it's <laughs> That's great. all it is. Yeah. If, if you, if all, but you know, are you, so what's, what's the, you know, what's your next action? Like, I wish you could just be honest and say, I hate rejection and conflict and I hate, you know, I feel like I'm worthless unless I have the affections of a pretty woman. Like I would at least respect that honesty because Mm -hmm. that's what I had to admit to myself. I'm just like, I hate rejection and conflict. And I don't like the fact that, um, you know, if I make myself as attractive as possible and this girl still says no, somehow I just want to throw all that away Mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, Hey, you know what? My life, if I like my life and she says, no, I still like my life. Right. But yeah. if I, if she is the vehicle to the happiness that I feel like I'm missing out on, that's a lot of pressure on her. <laughs> oh, that's actually a very good point that you made there. You're, um, this external locus of meaning and, uh, and, um, incrimination. So mm-hmm. if you're relying outside of yourself for, mm-hmm. um, these things that generally seems to me to be the wrong thing. I mm-hmm. go on a date. Oh, she doesn't like me. Oh, whatever. I don't need her to, e- uh, you know, inform the value of my life. My life is yeah. what it is. It's their, like, is their job to take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. And like, I know I'm going to change no matter who I'm going to go out with because we change with interactions with people, which is why we have conversations like this yeah. so that yeah. I can become more, get a better perspective. Mm-hmm. But you, when you place everything outside of yourself, mm-hmm. then it's, a nice excuse. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's it's not a tree of value. It's a it's 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 a file folder of excuses. Mm-hmm. That was a terrible metaphor, but <laughs> the, it, works. It, works. Uh, it works. And you can just pull out an excuse for everything when yeah, exactly. it's yeah. and, and 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 obscure it because oh you know I'm not successful because of this. It's like mm-hmm. well there are times like I definitely internalize more than I definitely need to, but I find it a lot more helpful for someone to say, no, 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 you're being too hard on yourself, pull back because it forces me to work harder on the things. Um, and that maybe is something I saw. I think I got too many bad examples when I was young and mm-hmm. I got all these negative examples, which forced me to be like, okay, I can't do that. Because mm-hmm. if I do that, I'm going to end up like this. Mm-hmm. And that was helpful for me. I got lucky. And I think that's, that's my advice, but you, you said it very, you said it very well there. Thank you. So, um, I think we're coming up on close to the end. So, um, I'll, uh, 
any final thoughts that you want to give us about, um, you know, this life coaching, self-leadership? You mentioned um, that self-leadership was kind of a uh, key concept to this. Mm -hmm. So why don't we end on that idea? Let's, let's, let's take us through that and then we'll, uh, we'll adjourn. So what do you mean by self-leadership? Yeah. I mean, the, the book that I I will gladly cite for everyone to read on, on your own, and you're more than welcome to help me, uh, you know, or pit me up to, to navigate, uh, the book. If you really want to apply the concepts to your own life. Um, yeah. Self-leadership is the first to ask, right. Where am I headed? Right. What do I even want? Because as David Allen says in his book, getting things done too, there are two main problems with people are number one, you know what you want, you don't know how to get it. Or two, you don't know what you want. And, you know, I can throw all sorts of leadership cliches at you. Like vision without action is a dream. Well, yeah. But none of that means action without, <laughs> yeah, action without vision is a nightmare. Right. Like, you know, like distractions don't help you, but people keep seeming to indulge in them. Right. Mm. Um, And so really, I mean, maybe the first question to ask yourself is what kind of legacy am I trying to leave? Or what am I leaving? What kind of legacy am I leaving right now? Right. If I, it's not to be morbid, but to ask yourself, well, you know, what would people remember me for if I happen to die tomorrow? Right. Like, what would they say about you? Oh, you know, he was a good guy. You know, he was friendly, but would they really say, wow, you know, I'm inspired to follow his path because I believe he was onto something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, one fun example I gave in another podcast was people want to leave a legacy and the way, you know, they have a certain way they want to be remembered. And then sometimes they try strong arming people into thinking of them that way. Like the example I'll give is when I was in Prague, I went to the communist museum, which is pricey, but very much worth it. Mm-hmm. And I learned that Stalin uh, had ordered that a statue be made in his likeness. And the sculptor that was basically coerced into making the sculpture committed suicide afterward. And I say this not to sound funny, but this is like, this is not the way you want to leave a legacy, right? When someone's like, I can't believe I left this abomination into this, into the world. And there's like, I can't live with myself for having done this. Yeah. Right? Stalin was, he's got a bunch of stories like that. My favorite was always, uh, he never had, he considered a meeting a failure if the person he was having a meeting with didn't, you know, involuntarily relieve themselves in his chair so yeah this is the kind of person he was but (laughs) yeah and uh so that's not a surprising story yeah even (laughs) better they took the statue down later there's like now we don't want this up here and right what is he going to do like he's dead now right it's just like "Eh." yeah but yeah the idea is you know the, the thought is well you know where's my life headed right? Like, what is the trajectory of my life? You know, what, if I keep doing what I'm doing now, what will that, where, how, where will that take me? Mm-hmm. Do I like where that's going? Uh, no. Okay. Well, what do I need to change, you know, in order yeah. to really, um, you know, what do I even want? Right. Um, what that's, do I want my left ahead instead? Yeah. For me, um, I don't know. I was influenced by like 90s science fiction a lot. That was and, fun. And, yeah. uh, for me, there was this one character in the show I used to love and they just asked, there's like the two characters and they just would always ask all the kids like, who are you and what do you want? And I was just, and they were always going around and with one character went around to all like the, uh, the big shots in the show and was like, what do you want? And they were like, that's a stupid question. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And they all answered it except for like one very incorrectly and very poorly. I want this great empire. And it's just like, and then he got it. <laughs> and it was the worst thing that he had ever had. Um, and I kind of grew up with this, like, wait, what do I want? And I'm like sitting there thinking, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. And like, until I found it, and what I want wasn't a thing. It was a path. Mm-hmm. And that path was informed by who I am. And these are very basic questions but if you can start to answer them then you are starting down a good path Mm -hmm. and your answer reflects where you are now but Mm -hmm. you don't have to have just one answer i want a lot of things Uh, and you're allowed to want um (laughs) it doesn't say anything bad about you and it's informed by your perception of yourself and if you have like imposter syndrome well then what do you want well i want to be more than what i am Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I want to be something, I want to be me, but mm-hmm. bigger, I, who I am becomes more. Yeah. So, and I think it's scary because it takes effort and it mm-hmm. takes courage and conflict is inherent in everything we do. 
the, I have to plug in my microphone. It's like, oh, which way does it go? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't fit this USB port. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's one, two, three, four, five. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's and complicated so, Apple and Microsoft. You're like, ah, why yeah, can't you play nicer? I, why can't I? F- and is conflict inherent in everything? But how we resolve it says a lot about who we are. Absolutely. And what we want informs how we approach those conflicts, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think that's my two cents on this. But yeah. Um, yeah, so any final two cents from you? I think you gave some really good ones. I, I don't want to leave my it on my words here. So. No, that's fine. No, happy to happy to do my part um, in adding value to your platform and your audience. Um, I think, yeah, just to tie back into the original question was just to say, hey, yeah, how do you lead yourself well? And it's just to really, you know, the simple like next action is to you know, just generate awareness, like write down things that are on your mind, you know, ask yourself with designing your life, they ask people to gauge, gauge their lives in work, health, play, and love. And they say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how well are you doing in these? Um, you know, if you're at a seven at work, great. How can you make it an eight? Like, what would you experiment to really get uh, your work life to a point where you're excited to wake up every morning and you see people you're excited to work alongside and you're doing work that is immensely satisfying to you? What would it take to get there? And then to understand that it is an iterative process that, you know, what worked for you five years ago will not work for you now. And what works for you now will not work for you five years from now. You know, health is a very different priority in your 20s versus 40s. Uh, what you define as love in your 20s is different than when you're in your 40s. And, you know, to be able to take time to be intentional in how you reflect on these things, um, if you're able to pull yourself away from distractions like Candy Crush and, you know, other social media things that are well-meaning, but ultimately aren't, you know, helpful to your own Certain agenda. websites that are oh. not PG. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's on the table for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're able to do this and you get some people around you who genuinely want what's best for you, right? Those friends that are willing to check your blind spots, those friends that are willing to challenge you when you are deluding yourself, that's great. Um, if you're able to do that for yourself, I think, you know, we'll all be able to kind of lift up the standard that that we're all living by. And, you know, and that's a good thing because we understand that when everyone's a 10, everyone's a zero, but that just means that's when we're able to raise the floor, then that means we have to raise the ceiling as well. And I can only imagine uh, what life will look like if everybody were willing to challenge the status quo and, and things that ultimately, you know, we've let on go for too long just because of tradition or, you know, just things that we just are familiar comforts that ultimately are destructive Uh, that, you know, we just don't want to give up in order to grow up. Mm -hmm. That's well put. So um, with that, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you for having me. uh, It was actually, uh, this is kind of a bit of a blind date for me. Chris set this all up. It was kind of good though. Uh, So um, if you guys like this, definitely comment down in the uh, comments section uh my brain's turning into oatmeal very quickly so i'm gonna have to go remember to share if you like it or just you know like and subscribe as everyone else on youtube says and you guys have a good day and uh bientôt